Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Tuesday, March the 29th, 2022. My name is Stephen Carnegie, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's, today's word of the day, quixotic which means unpredictable or foolishly impractical. Quixotic. Hope everyone is enjoying their Tuesday, or will enjoy their Tuesday, I should say. Uh, the sun isn't shining here in North Carolina. Cloudy. Kind of cool. Unseasonably cool. Thought this was the spring. <laughs> Looks like winter hasn't uh, let go just yet. Uh, temperatures at night are getting down to near freezing or some places freezing. And Thursday, we're expecting rain with warm weather returning, of course. Uh, as people are saying, it's supposed to get later on this week into the weekend into the 60s or 70s. Yeah, that's about right for this time of year. But uh, as always, it's uh, the change of seasons in the South. Never know what you're going to get. Uh, still a good day, I think. Uh, like I said, the cool air, it is somewhat refreshing. Uh, that's part of that. March winds. We all know the old saying, March winds. April showers bring May flowers. And June is just hot, hot, hot. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. That's usually how it goes. Man, the final four is set. Thanks to the Elite Eight this past weekend. Uh, Houston versus Villanova. Villanova took it. They're in the final four. Arkansas versus Duke. Duke took it. They're in the final four. Miami versus Kansas. Kansas is in the final four. And St. Peter's versus UNC. UNC is in the final four. Now, the matchups. One of these matchups we've been waiting on. Oh, see, I'm 48. <laughs> and we've been waiting on this, some of us, all of our lives. Some people have gone to their graves without that matchup. Uh, first matchup is, of course, Villanova versus Kansas. That's the number one and number two seed. We'll see how that turns out. But the second matchup of the final four, number eight ranked UNC versus number two ranked Duke. We've been waiting on this one, baby. We have been waiting on this one right here. And we'll see how this turns out. Just will. Man. Uh, I'm waiting on that UNC and Duke, of course. I, I just am. Like I said, we've been waiting on it, man, all of our lives. This is going to tell the tale. Uh, Hubert Davis, the coach of UNC, first time in the Final Four as a coach. And, of course, Duke's Coach K. This is his last and final run before he retires. So we'll see what happens. There's a lot of state, at state at that, in, in this game. But out of all of that, the thing that most surprising that was most surprising to me, or is most surprising to me, is the cost of the tickets to get to the Final Four down in New Orleans. The cheapest they found was almost thirty thousand dollars for a seat. Is that and that's the cheapest? Man, thirty thousand dollars for a NCAA basketball Final Four game. Thirty thousand dollars. Well, that's probably how much. The, uh, like I said, that's the cheapest. Man, what's the most expensive? <laughs> uh, if you, I guess if you got it, 30000 just laying around to go see a college basketball game or, 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 or games, 
uh, spend it, I guess, but 30000 that's a bit too much for me. I, I, I can honestly say to you, I believe if I had it to spend, I probably wouldn't. $30,000 to watch a, a basketball game, that's way over the top for me. <laughs> that is, that is, that is, that's way over the top for me. Hey, look, I know I haven't been talking about COVID, and, and it's something that's that's it's odd. Um, not saying that COVID is gone, but it certainly appears to be somewhat manageable in some parts of the country, because uh, you know, of course, the face mask mandates have been relaxed and lifted in certain parts of the country, and, and here locally, Durham, uh, April the 11th, they're going to an. Uh, it's, it's up to you whether you wear a face mask or not. And some places here in North Carolina have already said you don't have to wear a face mask in school. So, man, uh, maybe we do have COVID manageable, looks like. Even with that new variant, I uh, really haven't heard that much about that new variant uh, that, that spawned off of uh, the last variant, whatever the hell that name <laughs> Can't remember, can't remember. But it appears we have uh, COVID as a manageable Respiratory virus is the word they're using. Yeah, maybe we've seen our way through the storm. After two years, looks like we're finally out of COVID's, I won't say reach, but firm grasp, unlike what we've experienced the past two years here in this country. So uh, we'll see. We will see, and time will tell. Time will tell. It just will. Uh, all right, let's go get it. We're going to go get it a little early than most times here on This Is Just a Thought. Now, this next one is a, a local story that um, kind of, it has international ties. And for those that, that say, hey, uh, what goes on internationally, it doesn't affect me. I'm just here in North Carolina. There's nothing I need to concern myself with internationally. This next story will, I hope, change your mind and, and, and make you think and research and look into things a little deeper because uh, there's a county here in North Carolina, Edgecombe County, that as a result, a direct result of uh, economic tariffs placed on China by the Trump administration is finding itself in a continuation of, uh, economic, of an economic downfall. Now, here's the backstory. Now, in a deal that was once called the biggest win for rural North Carolina, China's Triangle Triangle Tire Company was set to open a 400-acre plant just outside of Rocky Mountain. And and that's in Kingsboro, North Carolina, to be exact. In a deal that um, they said was arranged back in 2017, and it was expected to produce over 1,300 jobs and billions of investment into the area has come to a complete and utter stop, stalwart, because of those economic tariffs placed on by the Trump administration. Now, we all remember the U.S. and uh, China's little riff or, or beef or however you want to word it. Now, due to those tariffs that were placed on by the Trump administration back then, um, it forced China and China's businesses that were doing business in the U.S. to pay six times the regular amount to bring goods and or money to invest in uh, U.S. businesses to build the plants. And, and of course, with those tariffs, it became more expensive. 
So uh, China said, well, wait, hey, wait a minute. We're not going to pay that. Um, and now it appears the deal has stopped. It's a stalwart. And it paused the whole process, brought it to a, a grinding, screeching halt. Now, what has also happened as a result of this, developers in Edgecombe County say they're getting a lot of inquiries about that land, that 400 acres. But they can't do anything because Triangle Tires are holding all the chips. They own the land. They bought the land. Or at least they put enough down on the land to, to say, hey, it's ours. We're going to come up with the rest when we get there, build the land, uh, build the manufacturing plant and, and start making money. That's usually how these things go in, in these business circles. And what they're saying is they can't start development because of those tariffs. Hmm. Now, that has left the leaders at Edgecombe County in a bit of a quagmire, you might say. Because they said, once again, like they're getting all these offers and inquiries about this 400 acres, which is prime location for uh, any company that wants to do business here in North Carolina in the rural part and bring jobs and money and economic prosperity to the area. They are in a stalwart. They can't move the project along Triangle tire, uh, Tires. And of course, uh, the, the economic the economic. Uh, forces in Edgecombe County, because that land technically isn't theirs. So they're asking uh, Triangle uh, Tires what they could do to assist and help move the project along or get the land back. Man, how crazy is that? Those economic tariffs that were placed on by the Trump administration have really affected uh, one at least one area of rural North Carolina. So they're saying, hey, what can we do to help you guys move the process along or uh, at least get the land back? You're not going to get the land back. You're going to have to buy it back. Just hard. I mean, with those economic tariffs that were placed on, once again, by the Trump administration, which were six times the limit that they uh, were paying before, yeah, of course, that, that stopped that process and, and, and quite possibly could be a loss of those jobs and, and monies that were coming to that area. If you know anything about that Rocky Mount era area, you have to go back a ways to, uh, well, Rocky Mount was, uh, and one, like many rural counties here in North Carolina, it was farmland, manufacturer of tobacco. And of course, after the tobacco came to textile mills. And in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, throughout the 90s, when they started pulling and shutting down all the tobacco and textile jobs, they sent those overseas. There was the big fight with the tobacco industry and a lot of the tobacco companies shut down because they were being sued and the fines were so hefty and of such great value. They'd figured out and determined that they couldn't no longer could no longer do business. And that was that. So that left a lot of land and not just a lot of land, but a lot of people without gainful employment. That area or many areas here in North Carolina and rural North Carolina or what we like to call the country are sitting there desolate. Hell, even in the uh, the, the cities, there, there was a lot of warehouses for tobacco that were sitting empty and idle for years. So that along with the, the, the tariffs that went back to 2017, those tariffs once again, 
find a lot of rural communities that had set up business deals with China and a stalwart. That's this. Once again, they're, they're all just sitting still. Now, that 400 acres that sits out there in uh, Kingsboro, just outside of Rocky Mount, I'll give it to you. I mean, if you're in the investment game or, or, or you're in manufacturing or whatever, or what have you, 400 acres in a rural part of any state in this country is a good real estate investment. Can't go wrong with it. Land's cheap. People are in need of gainful employment. Those city and county leaders are trying to figure out what they're going to do with this, this the, uh, an, an empty building or, or a lot of uh, tobacco, old tobacco uh, processing plants and old textile plants. They're just sitting there dilapidating, corroding, eroding. So a lot of these, yeah, a lot of these city council and county commissioners uh, they're fishing around, and a lot of companies, uh, not just uh, outside of the United States, are saying, yeah, we'll take the bait. But with those economic tariffs, <laughs> now we all remember the economic economic tariffs President Trump imposed on China. That was uh, It was his way of getting their attention to say, hey, you guys have been milking the, the, the system long enough, time for you to pay up. Of course, China was like, no, 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 no way, no way, no how. Not six times. We're not going to do that. So many at the time, I can remember, um, I don't know if many of you guys remember, uh, at the time, uh, many people here in the United States, when Trump came out with that, they were saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You can't do that. China's our friend. Well, first and foremost, first and foremost, let's get that out of the way. China ain't your friend. China's nobody's friend. China's in the business of making money and ruling with a firm fist. So anyone that ever thought that China was an ally or quite possibly could be an ally of the United States, uh, were you hitting the head with a stupid stick? (laughs) I think you were. I think you were. So yeah, Trump came along and said, wait a minute, you guys have been bleeding and bilking the system long enough, taking money out of the United States pocket. So if you want to continue to do business with here in the United States, you're going to pay for it. My opinion, rightfully so. Uh, All those little sweetheart deals that were set up by former administrations, and those were former Republican and Democratic administrations, because like I said earlier, those textile mills, when they shut those mills down and they transferred all those jobs overseas, and it left many Americans and many North Carolinians more specific without gainful employment, that was a huge loss. A lot of those rural towns or rural communities, uh, they're desolate now. So they're just sitting there. Cheap real estate. We see it all the time in the inner city with with uh, communities that are riddled with crime. And, and, and the old saying of it's allowed to dilapidate and go down for uh, real estate investment. The same thing is happening here and everywhere else in, in the inner city. It appears that's the same game plan if you're a real estate developer in rural communities also. Let the land, uh, the price go down, then come in and snatch it up dirt cheap and then revitalize it. That's just the business at hand. It just is. Hey, I can't make this up. This is not some conspiracy theory. I'm not some conspiracy theory nut job or 
what have you. This is just business. And it looks like um, there, there may be some policies that are past and maybe present that aren't good for business because it's leaving a lot of folks, once again, in these areas without gainful employment. This deal was struck up in 2017 and was finally announced in 2018. So what are we, uh, four, three, four years? And it still hasn't happened. It's, it's stalled. Doesn't look like it's going to happen because those tariffs aren't due to expire for a while. Uh, boy, it, 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 it's not looking good. Just isn't. I found that article, uh, like I said, quite interesting. It should make a lot of people stop and think that if you're under the mind that it doesn't affect me because it's international, uh, that's China and, and, and that's the U.S., that's politics. I think you, you need to really think again and sit down and analyze things for yourself. Because as we all know, we're, we're hey, we're all adults here. We all know that there is a such thing as long-term and short-term effect because of those elected officials we put in office. And a lot of times they really and truly aren't doing what's for the greater good of the community. Uh, like I said, it started some odd years ago back when the shutting down of those textile mills, those tobacco uh, agricultural communities that were shut down, a strip because of the new way of thinking of uh cigarette being harmful for your health. Jesse is, Jesse is. Uh, makes you think, and it, it makes you think, make you wonder, and makes you realize that the world is changing and you gotta change with it. Because this next story, are we gonna move on also? This next story, it's, it's all kind of, I don't want to say it's tying in together, but this is another, a totally different aspect of it. Now, we all know the Biden administration's Green New Deal. Now, I found an article that I, I once again, I, I truthfully never thought about it. When, when I heard about the Green New Deal and all of these plans that make these battery powered uh, vehicles, uh, I really didn't think about it. But uh, lithium, the lithium batteries. Now, these lithium uh, batteries are used for uh, any and everything from uh, psychiatric medicine, lubricating grease, rechargeable batteries for electric cars, lawnmowers, power tools, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, lithium, the metal, the metal lithium was uh, first discovered by a Swedish chemist more than 200 years ago. Now, like I said, now with the Biden administration, great push for the Green New Deal and moving forward with uh, moving away from the carbon pollutants caused by gas vehicles, the demand for this metal has grown. Why, of course. Now, the, what they're predicting is the industry of, of, of refining and pulling this lithium out of the ground is expected to grow drastically by 2030. Hmm, that's eight years from now. Wow. And, of course, with this new push, they're saying it's going to create new jobs. But there's always a but environmentalists have sounded the alarm because with this process of getting this lithium uh, is very much like coal, very much like oil. You have to dig down in the ground however much. And in this particular process, they push it back up to the, sur the surface and then they start the process of uh, pulling the, the, I guess, the metal out, the lithium out. And of course, the environmentalists are saying, hey, that's bad for the environment. 
the water, uh, the land, the, the, the people that, that have ranches, they're, they're saying that's going to affect their uh, the drinking water, the, the land. Now, here in the U.S., which is kind of odd, but not odd. I, and like I said, I never really gave much thought to it. The U.S. has uh, one mine, and that's in Nevada. Out of the great land, a great land mass of the United States, here we only have one mine that produces lithium. And they're saying that, got, that has got to change if they're going to do the, the, the development of this Green New Deal. Because they don't want to rely on outside countries, unlike what we're going through now with the oil and gas prices. Now, they're starting to develop mines in uh, Maine, North Carolina, certain parts, California, and they're going to develop some more in Nevada. Now, much of the world's production of lithium comes from uh, South America, Australia, and China, with um, Chile having the, the world, that's the largest reserves of lithium in Chile. So what, what's happening, the, the big argument is, of course, is um, the process of obtaining lithium. They're saying it's bad for the environment. The environmentalists are, are upset and the ranchers are upset also. Now, I get it, got it, understand it, because you certainly don't want to do anything to um, destroy the environment. But my question is this, and, and what they're saying is quite possibly this process or this new surge or push for the Green New Deal, they quite possibly may have not factored in this. Or maybe they did factor in later on and realize we're going to go right back to dependent on foreign countries for the production of lithium. And we don't want to do that like we're dealing with, with oil and the price of gas. Now, if, if you're going to push for this Green New Deal with these electric-powered cars to get away from the old combustible burks, <laughs> you guys didn't think this far down the line? You didn't factor this in with the U.S. only having one mine and you want to push these vehicles out into the public? Or maybe, like I said, hey, with what's going on with, with uh, the oil production Maybe they did realize, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We got to get some more mines going here. It, 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 it makes you think. You know, I think a lot of times us as, as humans, when we hear of something new and it's touted and explained in such a miraculous and marvelous way, it gives you all the warm and fuzzies inside. And then when it comes down, you got to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and look at the process and the steps that you're going to need in order to put everything into play, because that appears to be what is happening now. Like I said, uh, with anything where you're going underground trying to pull precious metals or fuel out, fuel out of the ground, yeah, you're going to do some destruction to the environment. Yes, yeah, some things are going to happen where uh, poisons may leak into the water supply and the ground supply. So those ranchers are saying, wait a minute, our cattle, our horses, some farmers also that, that are near these mines or quite possibly could be near these mines are saying, hey, that's just bad for the environment. That's bad for us as 
businessmen also, businessmen and women also. So there's a bit of a tug of war going on now where uh, the environmentalists and, and like I said, the ranchers and farmers are saying, wait a minute, hold up. You guys can't just do this. You can't just start opening these mines and start pumping this stuff out because you're trying to promote something and you're going to end up uh, destroying the environment. Creation of new jobs, yes. Because with that, those lithium-powered batteries for these uh, electric cars, you're going to need a, a, a large supply. And you're going to need to keep that supply rolling. I'm not sure how long lithium batteries last before they go out. But I don't think they last forever. So you're going to have to increase and have a continuous supply of this. See ya. There goes another blow to the environment. Uh, the Green New Deal quite possibly could not be so green and great. I think anything, uh, anytime that we as humans, we like I said, we produce or want to produce something that sounds great. And then when you get down to the nuts and, nuts and bolts of it, it could quite possibly be just as bad as the, the other thing, the oil, the coal things that you guys are bashing. If you're going to pull this stuff out of the ground, like I said, there has to be an opposite reaction to it. You're not just going to blink your eyes, snap your fingers, and click your heels, and it's automatically there. You're going to hurt some things. You're going to throw some things off. Just are. You're pulling stuff out of nature. That's That's just what it is. You're pulling some things out of nature, the new deals, the green new deal sounds great, but um, hey, it's just like any and everything. There are some consequences. There are some setbacks. And this white possibly could be a setback. Just good, just good. So we'll see what happens on, on happens on both of those fronts. Um, after two years of being uh, shut down. Looks like we're trying to get things back into motion, get things, get that bat swinging again for the fences. And this is what we have to deal with. These are the things we have to know that exist in order for our continued survival upon this earth. Jesse is, Jesse is. All right. Uh, I wasn't going to talk about this, but uh, it's in my crawl. <laughs> It's in my crawl, it's in my crawl, it's in my crawl. It looks like actor Will Smith and comedian Chris Rock finds themselves in the hot seat. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, what happened Sunday night at the Oscars? Good goobity goo. (laughs) Well, uh, they're calling it the slap heard around the world. We have all know what happened. Will Smith walked onto the stage while Chris Rock was doing his monologue or getting ready to do his presentation and slapped him. Slapped the taste out of his mouth, to be honest. <laughs> Woo! I was, uh, Sunday night, I, I was at home. I, w- I was off. Uh, I had worked earlier in the day and I was at home watching a program when that program went off at about 11 o'clock, I turned to my local news station. And when I turned, the Oscars were still on. I forgot that it was almost four hours long. I saw Will Smith 
uh, Tiffany giving his acceptance speech for King Richard. And I thought, wow, that's great. He really, he, he really deserves that. So I turned the TV off, went to bed, didn't look at my phone, didn't look at the social media feeds, woke up the next morning and I saw that. <laughs> saw it on the news, saw it on my social media feeds. What happened was uh, apparently Chris Rock did a, a joke that was directed at Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett. About, uh, apparently she shaved her head, but she had to shave her head because of a, a medical condition where your hair falls out. And uh, Will Smith took exception to that. And he walked up on stage and he slapped Chris Rock. Uh, there is a backstory. We all know that. Uh, Chris Rock went tour and tour back in 2016. Chris Rock and Jada Pinkett Smith apparently went on a date some years ago. And she described it as the worst date ever. Chris Rock and Will Smith had worked together on uh, uh, The Fresh Prince. I think, honestly, and I'm going to keep this short, time for me to get out of here. Uh, Will Smith had a, a I'm tired of you guys messing with me moment. Uh, we can't forget what happened with between him and his wife and her going on uh, the internet saying that she wasn't satisfied sexually and that uh, she had an entanglement, an affair. Uh, this, that guy's been the butt of many jokes for a few years now. And I think he had I'm fed up stop explicit with me moment. Bottom line. I don't know what everyone else thinks. That's just it for me. Well, I'm getting ready to get out of here. That's enough of that. <laughs> yes, that tastes out of his mouth. Well, that's all for me today. And I want to thank you all for lending me your ears. Like always, continue to support and share and offer feedback. You can also follow me on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Verbal and WordPress. And as always, this is Stephen Carnegie for This is Just a 